thoughts and prayers are great, but let's do something. Your main function is to keep us safe. There are certain traits in dogs. Hurting dogs are going to hurt. They're going to be nippy. They might not be the best around little kids. Huskies are going to run. Terriers are going to tend to be dog aggressive. That's Jim Fuda, director of Crime Stoppers of Puget Sound, and Mackenzie Sweeney, veterinary assistant with the Animal Emergency Clinic in Spokane. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, along with producer Benny Mathers. Mackenzie Sweeney will be joining us in about 15 minutes. She is a veterinarian assistant with the Animal Emergency Clinic in Spokane, like I mentioned at the top. There has been a sharp increase in the adoption of dogs and cats during the pandemic. There has also been a very sharp increase in the number of pets who aren't being cared for properly. Mackenzie will shed some light on the cost, training, and time it takes to take care of a dog or a cat that protects the health of the pet. Retired Sergeant with King County Sheriff's Office and the current Director of Crime Stoppers of Puget Sound, Jim Fuda, will be joining us in just a few moments. With mass shootings on the rise, I thought it would be a good idea to talk with someone like Jim on what you should do if you ever find yourself in such a tragic circumstance. Give you some perspective. When I began writing this introduction on Saturday, there had been 147 mass shootings in the United States since the first of the year. You heard that right, since the first of the year. Well, I'm getting up and completing the introduction and most of the show. We now must make that 148. On Sunday morning, a shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, left three people killed and two injured. And on a lighter note, and I'm sure we can use more of that right now, there is a peculiar podcast out there that I've been listening to, and it's called Peculiar Podcast. So the hosts, Pat Cashman and Lisa Foster, they even think it's a little strange, which it is, but it's a lot of fun. Pat Cashman, as you may remember, on Seattle radio for a number of years, and also was one of the cast members for Almost Live, the award-winning show that aired from 1984 to 1999. Lisa Foster was also a very well-known broadcast personality in Seattle. And again, they've teamed up. They make absolutely a great team. So um, I just suggest you go check it out. What you need to do is just Google Pat Cashman Podcast, and you'll find it. There's several episodes. They're about 55 minutes, maybe an hour long, but that's about it. Also, I had the opportunity to interview Pat Cashman on Voices of Experience on November 3rd, 2020. If you just want to Google Voices of Experience and then Podcast One, and that's O-N-E, you can uh, hear the podcast I had with Pat Cashman, and uh, you just need to scroll down. You'll find it. Again, November 3rd, 2020. And it's titled, Comedic Treasure, Pat Cashman. Back with Jim Fuda in just a moment. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. 
The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Jim, we're at the Salty's Restaurant in West Seattle right now, and uh, we're sitting outside. We just walked down the stairs looking at a gorgeous view today. But as we know, that can sometimes be shattered when it's least expected. And so what did you do as a trained officer when we came in here to look around at your surroundings? The one thing, I'm obviously comfortable here. I know the the uh, the restaurant. I know the exits. But I do, whenever I walk into a room, I, I do scan the crowd. Not as a, in a suspicious way, but just a, more of a curious Who's here? What what am I facing when I walk in here? Is anything out of the norm? Uh, like I said, we came in, we came downstairs here, and and uh, with no issues. But I I know my exits, and I know what would happen now if I was to hear shots uh, from which direction I would run opposite that. Like in other words, if the shots came from upstairs here, I would run behind and out the back exit here. If they came from in in the back. I would run up the stairs and, and, and out into the parking lot through that tented area there and, uh, and keep on running is, 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 uh, uh, until I felt safe. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I wasn't aware there was an exit out of the tent area where you're talking about. And I think I know where you're talking yeah. about now. If the shots were from behind, I may run up the whole stairs and get you know, um, checked at some other point and run into the gunman. You already have an exit out at another place, which I really didn't know existed. So right, right, right then and there, because I, I feel that uh, whenever I've been in a situation, I've not been anything like this. But when you earn a moment that you're kind of petrified, your senses freeze. And if you have, like when you're talking about something subconsciously in the back of your mind that you've already gone over the detailed exit plan, you're going to just do it automatically. Exactly. And, and, and I, I'd like to use the term... In times of stress, you revert back to your training. And that's kind of training. You know, you train yourself to do that. And, and that's not to say you're paranoid or you're on guard all the time. That's not it. You, you've already in your mind formulated what you would do if something should happen. I do not like that paranoid mindset and jumping up and down all the time and worried about things. That That's not how we need to live our lives. Of course. And to that end, there was somebody that I knew kind of in the training business of offices and you know, people who felt they needed that maybe about eight or nine years ago. And I met him at a place in Northgate when it used to be there. And it was like a Panera bread house. And I walked in and he was waiting for me and his face was to the door where I walked in and he said, could you sit next to me over here? I want to keep my eye on the door. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, uh, I'm concerned about if someone came in, I want to know it. And I've got to I've got a action I will take if that does happen. Again, I thought he was paranoid and over the top. I don't think that anymore. Yeah, it. But 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 you you can't appear that way when you have to when you all, when you're always pointing it out. I, I, I that doesn't have to be done. It it's just something you put in the back of your mind. I see. And and uh, uh, and if something should happen, then um, you know you otherwise you can just go about your business. The warehouse incident that happened in Indianapolis at the FedEx building. What do you? Uh, what comments do you have about that? I think that that was obviously pretty planned out. I I, I found out that, that the gunman was a 19-year-old that had worked there before and had had confrontation with the police. Not a confrontation, but it had the mother had actually called and said, "I'm worried my son is going to be doing a suicide by cop." That was a year earlier, and they actually took a shotgun away from him that he did not get back. And and uh, he knew when they took their shift break 
and he so he killed four people outside and four people inside, wounded a bunch more, and then took his own life. So what would you have done differently if there's anything you could have suggested to a warehouse operation like that? Or is that just like Monday morning quarterbacking? Well, I, I, I think you could only go so far. Uh, it's, it's a matter of what do you do to protect yourself in your daily environment. And, and uh, FedEx, I'm sure they've got locked doors and they, key cards and, and uh, all that in, in, their, uh, in their business there. So, you know, it's, 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 I guess some of that comes down to just odds and how you react if something like that should happen. And you said something earlier that uh, we were, before we do the interview, discussing that some of the people in the warehouse thought it was backfiring of cars. Exactly. And I think that's where the split-second decisions, some of them need to be made of what you're going to do because seconds matter as you're, as you're formulating in, in my brain, you know, I'm in trouble. And uh, uh, that's where the denial part of it, that's what gets people killed. And uh, we're right in the midst of coming, hopefully, at the tail end of the pandemic, but we still have a ways to go. But movie theaters are opening up right now and they'll probably be opening up hopefully to allowing more people in to a much greater extent uh once they do that do you have any advice if you're attending a movie what to do i mean maybe something about as far as saying you know not trying to be paranoid of things but maybe going to a matinee instead and not going to a crowded theater that has everybody packed because they're looking i would imagine to kill as many people as possible exactly and 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 once again then is is it do you do you try to run towards the door like everybody else and then you get trampled by the mob is maybe that's a better uh, situation scenario if you're not by an exit is to hide what about schools Surprisingly, this is this is a good uh, stat. Since we you know, we've had 147 shootings in uh, mass shootings in the United States since the first of the year. Th- that's stunning. I mean, you, you got to say that one more time. We kind of roll off the tongue there. But 147. And again, let's define that. That's um, four or more people. Four more people shot, not counting the shooter. And that's just shot. That's not that's not fatalities. Okay. And uh, but six of those in the last five weeks have been open public areas where multiple people have been killed. And and surprisingly, not one school nor one uh, uh, house of worship mm. in that in that time. Right. Now, so we, that could be their clothes, but... Yes, however, but that, that leads one to believe, too, is it makes it sound with that many that that could happen anywhere. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so this is kind of a random thought to consider, but 147... I, I saw that in the paper. I still am just stunned by that. And when you look, are we just becoming maybe a little bit too used to this? Gus, I'm glad I wasn't in that stadium when this happened. I'm glad I wasn't uh, in that office building when it happened. But it's kind of that way now. The outrage, it just seems like it just doesn't... Or is, is there a danger of that? What I worry about from our politicians is thoughts and prayers are great, but... Let's do something. Your main function is to keep us safe. Right. And that's not happening. I'm just going to ask one more, let's say, a situation. And that would be like an office building. People, again, hopefully are going to be coming back to office buildings in this beautiful Seattle, as we see and looking at it right now. And hopefully we'll be getting back to normal in some way. So enough of that. But so people are coming back to office buildings. You had something in a video I want to mention at the end of this where people can access it. But there were a couple of things there that jumped out at me that happened in an office building setting. Yeah, if 
if if we get it get back gets back into the run hide fight. Um, but uh, if you have to hide, try to get yourself into a, a room locked door and definitely silence your phone. Phones ringing obviously is a is a key that if if the uh, suspect is looking to harm people is it that's an indication that there's someone attached to on the other end of that phone. Make sure that's silenced and try to block a doorway if you, if you can. So it makes it more difficult for them to kick it in. And if they uh, do get in, have some type of weapon in your hand, and hopefully there'll be more than one person in that room with you. And uh, he comes in, and if if he leads with that firearm, put push that firearm towards the floor and have somebody else hit him because you will be in the fight for your life. All right, one more thing before we go, and that is does not directly relate to this, but the Washington Most Wanted, we had a horrible shooting in Junkins Park just a few days ago. And just to give a status report on what's going on there, what you can talk about or, you know, just to bring us up to date. Well, what's um, four people were shot, one of them including a, a two-year-old baby girl, toddler, uh, shot in the face. Um uh, uh, thank the Lord, she's been released from the hospital, but has to go back for at least two more surgeries. And because she was a child, I'm sure there's a reason why they didn't keep her there, and she's back there with her family. But she was standing outside an auto zone with her, uh, with her father, and there were two other men, and uh, and the four of them were gunned down. Ah, oh, terrible. Uh, no, I do want to mention if if you want to learn more about this, um, uh, Crime Stoppers has put together a a video, um, uh, basically staying safer in a more turbulent world. And all you have to do is go to YouTube and uh, search for Crime Stoppers situational awareness video, and it'll pop right up. All right, I've seen it a couple times. It is well worth the time. It's about six seven minutes long, and right. again, it could save your life in, in a certain point. Good. Thank you, Jim. That's Jim Fuda. Retired Sergeant with the King County Sheriff's Office and current Director of Crime Stoppers of Puget Sound. Again, you can YouTube Crime Stoppers Situational Awareness and watch about a six-minute video of what you can do to help protect yourself. This takes place in an office type of setting, and as we return to work into offices and downtowns, this may become, unfortunately, another target. Again, one more time, YouTube, Crime Stoppers Situational Awareness. Are you thinking about self-employment? Visit Amazon or order a book called Pre-Flight Checklist. Is self-employment for you? Pre-Flight addresses eight myths surrounding self-employment and includes a self-employment quiz. The higher you score, the higher your prospects for success. Visit Amazon Books and input Pre-Flight Checklist. That's Pre-Flight Checklist. Kenzie Sweeney has joined us, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, she is a veterinarian assistant with the Animal Emergency Clinic in Spokane. And as I talked about at the beginning, there has been a sharp increase in the adoptions of dogs and cats during the pandemic. I started thinking about, do people really know what they're getting into when they, let's say, get a cat or a dog? 
So let's just get right into the interview with Mackenzie Sweeney. Still, when you just look at the average individual and who's considering getting a pet like a dog, like my wife and I did about 16 and a half years ago with our first dog and the second dog, that sometimes that people, including me, don't really appreciate the cost, the time, and the training that goes into bringing a pet basically into the world or raising them. What are your thoughts on that? Do you see a lot of that or do you have any comments? I think the biggest thing I see with things maybe not working out as people had hoped or thought is maybe people not researching the breed they like or are interested in getting. Maybe they see a dog in a movie or read a book or just see somebody with a pretty dog and decide they'd like to get that breed. Genetics do play a lot in raising puppies. It is a lot in how you raise them too, but there are certain traits in dogs. Herding dogs are going to herd. They're going to be nippy. They might not be the best around little kids. Huskies are going to run. Terriers are going to tend to be dog aggressive. You know, they're going to have high prey drives. They're going to go after small cats. Of course, it doesn't apply to every dog of the breed, but we do see that a lot. Maybe dogs that don't quite fit into people's lifestyles, wanting to get big, active, working breed dogs and keep them in an apartment or when they have to work 12 hours a day. So I do see a lot of that. Is there like a book or something that you've read or could recommend that people should look at? Um, oh gosh, there's probably a ton of really good books. Your vet would be a good resource. A dog training place um, with positive reinforcement would be a good place to find books like that in your area. A good one that we do read about raising puppies that we have a lot of people in my hospital read is called, I forget the actual name of the book, but the author is Sophia Yin. She's pretty famous in her ways of raising kittens and reading body language, which I think is something a lot of people could be better at. I'm under the assumption that raising dogs is a lot more difficult than cats. Am I correct there? I think so, yeah. To certain points, I think, you know, day to day you have to do a lot more to keep your dogs, you know, exercised, mentally stimulated. You know, you have to take them out on a leash. Cats generally do better as inside kitties. They'll live a much longer, safer life being indoors, but cats tend to hide their pain a lot better. So a lot of times for people, by the time they actually realize something's wrong with their cat, it can be a lot more serious. Things like male kitties, even something I didn't know until I got in the the vet field, is male kitties can become blocked, which means they can't pee very well or go to the bathroom very well, and it can very quickly become a life-threatening emergency. If let's say you were walking by a home and you see a dog and you've observed it for a while and it looks like it's being undernourished, it's you know not getting enough water, and what should or can you do? If you're thinking maybe somebody in your neighborhood or maybe even, unfortunately, a family member is doing something, documenting it, getting pictures proof, I think would be the biggest, biggest thing you need to do um, to report, unfortunately, just reporting um, a lot of places their hands really are tied I would think if that's something people really feel strongly about would be writing maybe congressmen or trying to get your state laws changed. Unfortunately, our animal cruelty laws are pretty basic. You don't think they're strong enough? I do not. Okay. I do not. What what do you think we Um, need to do? um, You know, that's that's kind of a hard question. I don't know if I have a great answer for it, but um, definitely I know in our area, as long as you're providing a basic shelter, which can really be just a dirty log thrown over some sticks and have, you know, water and food. That's that's the bare minimum you need to do. 
and unfortunately for a lot of dogs, that's that's not good enough. We see a lot of dogs come in in horrible condition, you know, obese with overgrown nails and matted coats. And I think those are all all forms of abuse that need to be be addressed more. Um, I think a lot of vets are even can be um, hesitant to mention these things to people because the reactions we get can be be extreme. Do you see it getting better? Do you see you've been doing this a while? Do you see people paying better attention to their pets now, or is it about the same? Especially in the last year with the pandemic, I think it's brought some good and some bad. I think people being home more with their pets have been seeing you know more behavior issues and reaching out to trainers. They've been seeing and catching more medical issues quicker. Hopefully, you know, even with the pandemic, being able to come in and get them treated. Same with people, the quicker and sooner you catch medical issues, usually the easier and financially easier it is to take care of take care of problems like that. Yeah, just general animal husbandry could be better. Um, maybe putting more stuff in school. You know, America has pets. Lots of people are going to graduate and get their own pets out of school or in college, you know, for companionship with the rise of emotional support animals, just general education on how to physically treat animals, maintain their daily lifestyles and needs could be a lot better addressed. A big obstacle, but I think I think things do need to change. And what do you think the most common injuries are that you see that come in to your animal hospital that are preventable? Probably for puppies, the number one thing that is so, so easily preventable would be parvo. So getting your puppy vaccinated on an appropriate schedule by a licensed veterinarian is very important. And I think um, something a lot of people don't know, a lot of breeders like to do their own vaccines and, you know, may even encourage owners to do the same at home. Getting it done by a licensed veterinarian, a lot of people don't realize that if your puppy has been vaccinated appropriately and were to come down with something the vaccine should have covered and prevented, a lot of times uh, vaccine companies will cover or help cover the cost of treatment. And then, you know, establishing that vet- that relationship with your veterinarian early is only going to help you a lot. And then I think probably for older dogs and even even young puppies, ingestion of foreign bodies. So chewing things like socks, underwear, uh, balls, toys. We see a lot of those. We probably do a surgery every week. Does this uh, fatigue you sometimes of doing all this work and having to, you know, you're working nights in addition to that, but just you're in a situation where animals are coming in and they're in trouble. How are you able to deal Um, with that? Yeah, sometimes it's really hard. Um, The nights where we have good wins and we're able to help owners, you know, stay within their budget and make their animals better, um, those those are pretty pretty good nights. Um, unfortunately, we do see a lot of animals that don't make it or owners that just aren't able to, you know, give enough to help. Um, that's pretty hard on all of us. That's Mackenzie Sweeney, veterinary assistant with the Animal Emergency Clinic in Spokane, and thank her for enlightening us on how to take better care of our dogs and cats and to also consider the breed and the temperament of the, particularly the dog prior to adopting. If you have kids, some dogs are better with kids than others. If you'd like to contact the Animal Emergency Clinic in Spokane directly, that phone number is 509-535-8743, 509 
I develop what I call the self-employment quiz, and there are 20 questions on the quiz, and the higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One of those questions is about good judgment. Nothing has disappeared from the American landscape during my lifetime faster than good judgment. If you exercise good judgment more often than bad, you have a very good chance of succeeding in business. Unfortunately, like experience, good judgment can't be taught. Have you exercised good judgment when you have been in charge of your life? Do you demonstrate good judgment in choosing your friends or your associates? How about in the jobs you've taken or the lifestyle choices you've made? How many times have your business or personal relationships ended up in mistrust or contempt for the other person or organization? We all have baggage, but do you have a history of making bad judgment calls or repeating the same mistakes? On the other hand, if you feel that, by and large, you have been happy with your choices in life, and if you are a person who generally exercises good judgment, there is a very good chance that you will succeed in business. Bottom line, you can read all the books, including mine, about self-employment and visit all the websites about succeeding in business. But your success or failure will always circle back to whether or not you can exercise good judgment when you need it. In 1947, the first black man stepped onto a Major League Baseball field as a player. But the struggle to stay there had just begun. Long before the Civil Rights March in Washington, Jackie Robinson played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. General Manager Branch Rickey wanted to entice more black fans to the ballpark. Some players wanted to keep the game white and said they would boycott games when Jackie Robinson was in the lineup. Ford Frick, president of the National League, said he would suspend any boycotters. Quote, I don't care if it wrecks the National League for five years. This is the United States of America. Major League Baseball was now on the path to integration. That's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. My thanks to Mackenzie Sweeney and Jim Fuda for sharing their wisdom and experience with us today. Any comments about what you heard today, you can call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. Leave your thoughts about today's show or uh, maybe another show you've heard or anything else you'd like to get on the air. Please leave your comments as brief as possible. That number again is 425-653-1166. What is Voices of Experience about? Simply, I talk with people with experience, as I did today with Mackenzie and Jim, in public affairs, travel, fitness, education, entertainment, with an emphasis on entrepreneurship. I firmly believe that experience is our best teacher. My name is Paul Casey, and along with producer Benny Mathers, thanks for listening. Quote of the week, since this is an era when many people are concerned about fairness and social justice, what is your fair share 
of what someone else has worked for. Thomas Sewell